Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. All right. Well, praise the Lord. I, um, it's hard for me, it was hard for me to give a title to this message, but um, I wanted to title this The Benevolent Space Invader. Now, for those of you that never played video games, you have no idea what space invaders are. It was a video game where these things were coming down and you shot them. But, and you know what? Come to think of it, there has been a lot of attack on the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you read Psalm chapter 2, you will see that governments, are, governments plan against the Christ. Say, so let's, let's break their bonds. They want to get free from the um, from the what they think are the shackles of God, but the reality is, is when we are a part of Him and a part of His kingdom, that's when true freedom begins to reign in our lives. But you know, also I thought about, you know, we're celebrating the Christmas season. And usually, uh, on somebody's birthday, they're the ones getting the presents. But if you look at God, God does everything in reverse. He is the one that's giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the scripture says in James chapter 1, my wife told me to start coming over here because I always, I don't know why, I tend to this side. Maybe because Chris is over here, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, so I have to give you attention. My wife says to give you attention. But in James chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Be not deceived, my beloved brethren. Be not deceived. What does he want us not to be deceived about? He says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, God doesn't change. He has always given good gifts. He's giving good gifts now, and he will continue to give good gifts because he cannot change. The Bible says God does not change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only difference is is that he is not a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He has been raised up. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's coming back. I believe soon. Hallelujah. For those who love his appearing, for those who adore him and worship him. 
You know, I love I I, I love the the Christmas music because a lot of it has so much message, so much truth in it. In Joy to the World, it says, it says, no more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. In other words, Christ came and he broke the curse. If you say, well, I need, I need another scripture for that, Pastor. You know, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Well, the second one is in Galatians chapter 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Do we have any Gentiles in here? Hallelujah. Well, if, you're, if you are a Gentile and you believe in Christ, you are, you are now a child, a son of Abraham, because the scripture says, if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. So he's no longer a babe. He is, I'm going to call him the benevolent space invader. Christ, the benevolent. Benevolent being good. Benevolent space invader. In other words, he will come in and invade our lives. I'm not just talking about invading the world. Do you know that he invades your life also? Now, you can resist him. I don't, I don't recommend it. I don't recommend resisting him, but you could resist him. Even as a Christian, you could resist him. I don't recommend it. You know, we don't preach on this very much, but it is in the Bible. It says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. You know what? When I was a kid, you didn't get whipped for, went, for being good. You didn't get uh, you didn't get rebuked. You didn't get the belt. You didn't get the switch. You didn't get the frying pan because you were good. You got it because you were naughty and not nice. Thank you, Jesus. You say, "Well, I'm all grown up now." That doesn't mean that just means you are more naughty than you were before. Sometimes, but the reality is. It is that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, and he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he wants to make his blessings known by rebuking the curse, by rebuking the curse in your life. You know, when I was a teenager, I used to be young. I was in my early teens, and I was in the Boy Scouts. So Boy Scouts was a blessing to me. Got me away from the house. But uh, I remember one of our scout leaders was a, he was an educator. You know, he, uh, he, uh, he was a Christian. And so I was having theological thoughts as an early teen. And I asked him about prayer answered prayer how you know why god would answer some and not uh, you know others so he gave me this illustration he said well god is like a clockmaker 
He said, he made the world, he, he made everything, he wound it up, let it run, and he leaves it alone. You know, and that is the thought of the deist. You know, God, God made everything, got it going, natural law is taken over, and God is not involved. But you know, I, re- I happened to read my Bible since then. And I cannot find anywhere in the Bible where God is a hands-off God. And a lot of times, he's not just a hands-off God. He is, you know, I I was talking to Katie about this because she's a lot better with words than I am. I got to go over here. I'm sorry. (laughs) Scott, just say, hey, hey. (laughs) But... I was talking to her about it, and I said, I get, invader is such a, a negative term. I said, and we couldn't think of anything. So that's why I, I was just going to call it space invader. But then I thought, well, that's not good. So I'll just call it the benevolent space invader. He's good. He doesn't change. Hallelujah. And he is a he is not a hands-off God. You know what? If God's not on you, you're in trouble. Even in Revelation, I believe it's chapter 3, we uh, we usually use uh, I've heard this used for salvation messages at the end. God is standing at the door and knocking. If he, if God is knocking on your heart, open your door, open the door, let him come in and get saved. He's not even talking to. He's not talking to the unsaved. He's knocking on the door of the church of Laodicea. He said, I'm standing at the door knocking. Open up and I will come in and dine with you. He didn't say I'm going to come in and discipline you. He said, I'll come in and dine with you. Hallelujah. Anybody going to get together on Christmas? For some food and fellowship. Food, fellowship, and football. No. I think they're playing a game on Sunday, too. Well, whatever. I wouldn't watch it anyway. Unless it was my home, but. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know what? We were so bad for so long. I told Joel, I said, Joel, just root for another team. I don't want my grandson rooting for losers. (laughs) But uh, they made changes, and so it's okay now. But, you know, uh, going back to the clockmaker, sadly, there's a lot of Christians that still believe that. You know, God's a hands-off. I, I prayed. I don't hear God. He doesn't like me. He's not concerned about me. What's happened to God? Well, God is involved in our lives. And we've got to break off the idea that he's just a hands-off God. He is actually an uh, intruder, is a, uh, sounds like a negative word, but he will intrude into your life. I was saved in 1967. I was 13 years old. I went down. 
I was in the nosebleed section of the stadium in Kansas City, Missouri, Municipal Stadium, and Billy Graham was preaching. And he said, he said, come on down. He did say, come down. He said, he said, come down. He said, the people you came with, they'll wait for you. So I felt the I felt the Holy Ghost in my life, and I was drawn, and I got as close to him. I could have thrown a little pebble at him like that, and, and I prayed the prayer of salvation, and Christ came into my heart, and that was one of the greatest spiritual experiences I have ever had. I have no doubt that I received Christ as my Savior at that time. But you know what? Uh, as time went on, uh, and I got a little older, and I got away from church, and I got, a, you know, because they don't have, on the ship I was on, they didn't have any church services. And uh, so anyway, I got away from the Lord, <clears throat> and he kind of let me go. He was there because I, I remember the first port, I was, this isn't even the sermon. But I remember uh, stopping in, in the French Riviera was our first stop, yeah, second stop. And uh, we're, uh, we stopped at Nice, France, and I didn't know anybody on the ship. I was brand new. We'd crossed the Atlantic. I hadn't made any friends. And I remember it was cold and it was wet and it was Christmas Day. First Christmas away from home. Got to go back over here. First Christmas away from home. And, you know, I was kind of feeling low. How low can you go? I was, I, you know, didn't know anybody, didn't have any friends, been on the ship for two weeks. And, well, that's a long story. Actually, uh, the night I came on, I... A bunch of guys ripped off my stuff. I had a jacket, you know, shoes, and I was down to bare bones. Man, I did, it just wasn't good. And I was always getting written up for my appearance. <laughs> but I didn't have any clothes. So anyway, it was Christmas Day. It was cold. It was wet. I was in the French Riviera. And I remember I was standing on the ship looking at the shore, and the Lord manifested in my life. And man, it was like he it's like he said, I'm with you. I'm with you. He invaded my life. He invaded me. And I had I'd kind of forgotten him, but he invaded my life. And I could tell you a dozen or more stories, but the scripture reveals as God is the benevolent invader that he wants to be your friend. Turn to somebody and say, you? He wants to be your friend. The scripture says that God called Abraham, or the Bible says that Abraham is called the friend of God. And if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Therefore, God wants to be a friend with you. 
And Jesus said in John chapter 15, he says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends, because a, fr because a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have made known all to you. You know, the Bible says that no one knows the day nor the hour of the return of Christ to the earth. I don't even believe Jesus knew. Because had he known, he would have told him. He says, if I he says, I've made known all things to you. So if he knew from his humanity, remember he laid his deity aside. Had he known, he would have told him. Thank you, Lord. Now, there's a lot of other people that thought that God's told them that went exactly when it was coming back, but didn't show up. Thank you, Lord. You know what? That he, whether you believe it or not, he is actively involved in your life, whether you are aware of it or not. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says, Do not be uh, do not forget to entertain strangers, for hereby some have entertained angels unaware. Some, uh, some of you say, well, I've never seen it. I've never seen a miracle. I've never seen anything supernatural. You don't know what you've seen. Because the scripture says that you, some of you have been around angels and you were unaware of it. You are unaware of it. There's also a scripture in, uh, in Hebrews. Oh, man. It says uh, in Hebrews chapter 114, it says, it, talks, it was talking about the difference between angels and Christ. It says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Anybody here inherit salvation? You have angels that are ministering to you, whether you know it or not. How, has there anybody in here besides me that have been had close, close or near-death experiences? You know, some of you are still here because God has been an intruder in your life. You're here because the hand of God, because the angel of because the angels of God has saved you. He is a benevolent space invader. Thank you, Lord. The Father goes to great lengths to be, be with you. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23: Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Now, that doesn't sound like anybody that's hands off. That sounds like somebody that wants to be near you. Just like me, they long to be close to you. On the day that you were born, the angel. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Is that a 70s song or what? But God wants to be near you. 
near you. He is Emmanuel. In other words, in, and think about this. This is God putting on flesh. And this is God, Jesus Christ being God, laying aside, not that he wasn't God, but he laid aside his powers so that he could walk among men. We said, well, if he laid aside his powers, how did he do the miracles? Do you remember when he got baptized? The Holy Spirit came upon him. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to do the miracles. And he did it so that you could do it too. Because you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Witnesses isn't just you talking to people. Saying if you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? No, witness what for them was they repeated the miraculous that Christ also did. He said, you do what I do. He showed them, had them do it by, with him, and then he sent them out. Thank you, Lord. So, well, man, I wasn't with him. He's with you now. He's with you now. Thank you, Lord. Also, Katie, I think Katie mentioned this earlier. But God is not indifferent to your sufferings. Anybody suffering today? You don't have to raise your hand. Rhetorical question. I already know you are. You can't live as long as you have and never suffered. If there's anybody here who's never suffered, come on up. I want to cast out that spirit of delusion. You've never suffered in your life. I mean, I've walked, I've stubbed my toe, and that's suffering, besides other things. Suffered rejection. Suffered alienation. Suffered. But Christ came to alleviate that because the Bible says that he experienced everything you experienced yet without sin so that he could help you, so that he could cause you to be an overcomer. Overcomer doesn't mean you never get tempted. Anybody here not tempted anymore? You're in the box, I'll tell you what, if you are. If you never, if you're not tempted anymore, then you're not breathing. Thank you, Jesus. If the Son of God could be tempted, tem temptation is not the sin. The, uh, the great Lutheran preacher, Martin Luther, said that you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can sure stop them from making a nest in your hair. Talking about the spiritual, talking about the thoughts, and you think, oh, man, uh, oh, man, I, you know, God could never, God could never accept me because of all these Foul thoughts, all these murderous thoughts, all these thoughts that I have, God could never accept me. That's just the thoughts of the enemy. 
It's not your thoughts, it's the thoughts of the enemy, so quit taking them. Don't let the enemy build a nest in your hair. Uh, you know, I don't know if you remember this, you know, but, um, and it might have been a particular, well, it wasn't even a religious group. You remember when the lady, uh, ladies' uh, hairdos? <laughs> Way up here. Yeah, whatever they're called. I'll tell you what, they were way up here. That reminds me of letting a bird build a nest in your hair. Now, if you had one of those, I'm, I'm not making fun. I think my, I had four, have had four sisters, and I think one of them might have done that. No, two. I can, I can see it now. I can can see it now. Thank you, Lord. But you do not have to let the enemy build negative thoughts in your mind. And if he does, don't be condemned by it. Just cast it out, say, or better yet, just start worshiping God. When the enemy brings a thought to your mind, just start worshiping God. Worship God. Hallelujah. So he is not indifferent to your sufferings. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. If he bore them, then why do we need to bear them as well? Just a thought. Thank you, Lord. My grandmother used to quote a scripture to me only halfway. She would tell me, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And I think she... Looking back on it now, she's probably talking about her, the man she was married to, my grandfather. My grandfather and my, on my dad's side, uh, they didn't know how to treat women. Now, the grandfather on the other side, he went the opposite way. To the extreme, I think. But, but God, God, he says, many are the, she would tell me, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But then as I started reading the Bible later on, I discovered that the Lord delivers them out of them all. The Lord delivers us out of them all. You might be afflicted, but God, there's coming a day when the affliction is going to disappear. You're going to say, glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I don't have to put up with that anymore. He is also a compassionate father. We see in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the villages cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, <clears throat> and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion because they fainted. That means they were ready to give up. They were ready to toss it in. I can't handle it anymore. I can't take one more thing. Have you ever said that? 
I can't take one more thing. He is moved with compassion. He does not rebuke the weak. He doesn't rebuke the faint-hearted. He doesn't rebuke those that are ready to give it up. He comes to strengthen you. He comes to empower you. Thank you, Jesus. Also, in Psalm 145, verse 8, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. You know, when I was a kid, they used to, uh, other kids would go around and tell you that you were full of it. But it wasn't compassion they were talking about. But God is full of compassion. You know, if you're full of compassion, you don't have anything else. If you are filled, if you fill a jar with something, <clears throat> of course, somebody else is going to come up and destroy this illustration. But if you're filled with something, you can't put any more in it. Well, I can put, if it's filled with rocks, I can put oil in it. Or rocks. But the reality is, God, God cannot, you can't replace God's compassion. You cannot replace it. But listen to this. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger. Anybody else have that uh, characteristic, you're slow to anger? That's not a rhetorical question. <laughs> That, that's the, that is the uh, characteristic of the Father we're to pick up. Slow to anger and of great mercy. Now listen to this. The Lord is good to all. Is there anybody here that's not a part of all? Anybody? You're not a part of that all? All means all. The Lord is good to all. That means he's good to you. That means he's good to me. That means he's good to the person you're sitting with. That means he's good to your neighbor. That even means he's good to the person that is cursing him. Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's giving people time to repent, and that's why he is good to all. Thank you, Lord. He's good to all. Look at somebody say, that means you. Thank you, Lord. So the benevolent space invader says, I will never leave you. Hebrews 13.5, it says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, when that scripture, he said that, he said that to get a certain response, and that response is courage. When you know that he will never leave you nor forsake you, forsake you, that is to, that is to generate courage in your life because the rest, rest of the scripture says that we may boldly say, you know, us, Usins. I am from the Midwest. 
we as Christians are not to timidly declare who we are. We're not to be timid. God says, I'm with you. Do you notice every time as you read through the Bible, in the Old Testament, God shows up and he tells people to do things and they kind of want to resist and and he says, I'm with you. That's all he says, I'm with you. He told Moses, go down and free the people in Egypt. And Moses did everything he could to get out of it and all God says was, I'm with you. And he says to you, I'm with you to accomplish that which I put into your life. I am with you to destroy the works of darkness. So, uh, the works of darkness, even fear is a work of darkness that we have to overcome and cast out. Loneliness. You're not lonely. You cannot be lonely because he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Thank you, Lord. I like to tell people I don't counsel anymore. I always hated preaching on marriage. The reason being, because every time I did, I got tested. (laughs) That's why you don't hear me talk too much about marriage. (laughs) But um, now, why did I say all that? Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. That we may boldly say, you know, we've got to come out of our shell. We've got to come out and start to declare who we are. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The benevolent space invader says, I'm with you. His presence brings you power for help that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I've said this before, but faith is voice activated. Anybody have anything that's voice activated? Well, your faith is voice activated. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that's voice activation. You have to say it before you actually walk in it. You hear it, you believe, oh, I believe in my heart. Well, that's not enough. you got to say it. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. But if you confess me before men, I will confess you. Thank you, Jesus. He is not... The benevolent space invader is not keeping you down. He is not keeping you down. He's not keeping you under his thumb. He's not keeping you under his heel. Oh, well, I got to be humble. Humble does not mean you're the, you're the doormat. Humble means you submit to God Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You humble means you hear what God says and then you walk in it. It's not is not degrading yourself. So again, he's key, he's not trying to 
put you down. He's trying to lift you up. He's looking for ways to lift you up, but he's looking also for your cooperation. You know what? It is uh, it's sometimes discouraging as a pastor. When you're preaching these great messages, you're preaching these messages on who people are in Christ. And they turn around and they start belittling themselves. And let me just say this also. It's not just enough to hear who you are in Christ, but when you know who you are in Christ, you will not put other people down. Come on. If, if God has lifted you up, it's time for us to lift other people up. Thank you, Lord. So humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that he may lift you up. The Lord gives grace to the humble. Humble, again, are those who hear, hear it, and obey. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love. His great love. How much does God... What kind of love does God have for you? Great love. What kind of love does God have for you? Great love. It's not just like like your spouse's love. Hallelujah. It's not your spouse's love. It's God's great love. It's God's agape love. It's a sacrificial love that loves you whether you measure up or not. Hallelujah. You know, I had a great revelation one time that when Christ died, all my sins were in the future and they're all forgiven because he died over 2,000 years ago. And I didn't come along until 1954. So anything I did was future. And God, uh, Jesus paid for all my sins. Now, that doesn't mean I can just sin and get just do whatever I want to do. But that means he has paid for it that as I, when I, if I win, not if, but when I fall into sin, I can run to him and I can receive abundant salvation. Hallelujah, as I turn away from it. But says God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, for with he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, he quickened us. For by grace you're saved and hath raised us up together. Together. You know, there's something we've done together. We've been raised up. We've been raised up together. Together we're raised up. I'm not raised up so I can put you down. You're not raised up so you can put me down. You know, even the, even, even the sinner needs to be lifted up. Even the sinner needs to have their eyes open that Christ loves them. Thank you, Lord. 
You know, uh, when Billy Graham gave that altar call, he didn't say, God can't stand your guts because you're a worthless sinner. I wouldn't have, uh, that wouldn't have engendered me to come forward. He says, no, God loves you. God loves you. There's a, well, I won't sing that song. <clears throat> so, now listen to this. He raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ. You know, it's going to take eternity for God to show you how good he was for you, was to you. It's going to take eternity for God to show you how good he was to you. Smile. Make me feel good. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> so, if he, he raised us up, he raised me up so I can walk on mountains. He raised me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your shoulders. You raised me up to more than I can be. Our problem is, is we look at our ability and <laughs> what we think, it, what we can be, doesn't, doesn't come close to what God sees as to what we can be. So the benevolent space invader seeks to empower you. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Luke 10, 19, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He's not talking about bugs and snakes. He's talking about demonic spirits. The scriptures, the, so what are we to do? We're to talk about it. Talk about the benevolent space invader. Let the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell your testimony. Your testimony gives the power of repeating. When you tell somebody what God has done for you, it empowers that same thing to happen again and again and again. And I mentioned this before, but what do we do? We welcome him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Thank you, Lord. The more we open, the greater the impact. And I'll close with this thought. Oh, come, let us adore him. Let's just sing that. Oh, come, all ye faithful Joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. 
O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. And let me just say this, that's all year around. Not just Christmas, but all year around. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we just give you thanks and praise for the glory of God. We thank you and praise you, Lord God, that you have brought your glory to us. Jesus said that I give you my glory. So, Father, we thank you that you are benevolent, and we welcome you to invade our lives in all situations and circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm going to turn it over to Manny.